Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, ahoy, and welcome to Always There, the Howard's Way podcast. I'm Julia Rayside. Thank you for joining me as I navigate through every single episode of the 1980s seafaring soap opera set in the fictional English coastal town of Tarrant. It would be a lonely voyage without you. And joining me today to discuss Series 3, Episode 5, is the brilliant actor and writer, Carrie Quinlan! Hello! Hello. Oh, can I just say, as this is my third Always There, Yes. so, you know, I've heard you do the intro three times, you're getting sultrier. Am I? You're definitely getting Thanks, sultrier, I man. like it. I keep shouting into microphones. I don't quite appreciate that you can probably hear me if I just talk like this. Yeah, that's, it's, very, it's very good. I'm just, I'm very just, I'm just I'm trying nice. to become a voiceover professional. Well, yes. well hello. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> Okay, thank you for noticing, though, I have been deliberately trying to become more appealing. Um, awesome. You, it's not possible for you to be more appealing. Shut up, you. You were my first hey. ever guest on this podcast, weren't you? I was, yeah, day yeah. one. So this, what an episode this, that was. This is always special. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I mean, that was a hell of an episode, oh. and this is a hell of an episode. I am so excited to say, not that Series 3 has been slow to start, but certainly it's taken a while to get us here. Like This, this feels like a, a classic Howard's Way episode. There's enough intrigue and drama and terror on the high seas to kind of keep it all going. Um, there's been a lot oh my of business word. and it, this is like a huge relief, this episode. Yeah, I, I've not actually seen the rest of season three. I, Sorry, I don't want to say you've missed nothing, but, you know, life's short. Don't go back. <laughs> <laughs> But I feel like, you know, it's all go. We hit the ground running. Well, we so hit, I'm very excited. We hit the water running, in fact, because Jack is sailing a lovely wooden boat. Almost yeah, as, as if to say, welcome back, Carrie. Oh, wooden, you say. <laughs> yes, not plastic. Yeah, and he's particularly keen to tell Bill that it's a quality boat. It is quality. It actually puts a D in quality. 
which is magnificent. I, I thought, oh, him. good, I'm back. Yeah, this is great. It's, it's when he's swaggering that he likes to replace his T's with D's, and that's uh, it's he's, tremendous. He's ne- yeah, never more swaggery than at the helm of a wooden boat. <laughs> And then he says to Bill, as if it needed confirming, we're still the best boat builders around here. Uh, he says we're still the best build, boat, boat builders around here. <laughs> <laughs> Which is easy for him to say. <laughs> Which is great because that's clearly in the script. <laughs> <laughs> the exact number of ha's. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, in Enid Blyton books yes. where in the famous five by Timmy the dog, he never barks. It's always woof, said Timmy. <laughs> And it's, the, it's about the only thing I like in the famous five books. You're not so keen but, on the um, racism, though. No? Not, not, not now. <laughs> Are we, I mean, we all liked it then. Obviously, when I was a child. <laughs> you, that's what you live for. Naturally, naturally. My favourite detail from this opening scene, because we can't move on yet, is that obviously uh, they're sailing and there must have been a limited budget for sailing clothing because Jack is wearing the Howard family's branded sailing gear, which has the flying fish <laughs> written on it on the on the athlete. <laughs> I just, I liked that they couldn't afford a separate sailing jacket for Jack. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's tremendous. All the budget's gone on the girls' frocks. I'm sorry. Jack's in white, Bill's in black. That's how we know who's speaking. <laughs> Because on a boat, it it's quite good. hard to tell. It's, it's they're, very They're hard. healing over at quite an angle. It's, you know, I know that's normal for sailing, apparently, but it just, it looks quite tough acting conditions, I'd have thought. Yeah, I would, I would have said so. Mm. There were quite a few moments in it where I thought, oh, I wonder how they're recording that sound. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I you should be thinking more. about. No, I know. We, I mean, we lockdown's been long. It hasn't it, though? Is your, Are you starting <sighs> to get to the end of your tether now a bit? Do you know I'm not? No, I'm weirdly. not either. I'm quite enjoying it. Yeah. And now I realise I can do this from home. It's like, why would I ever go out again? <laughs> what? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, yeah, my, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm an actor. My day to day is very, there's very little difference, <laughs> except for that horrible feeling that you might have to go up for an advert, which has been lifted. That's now. good. You're resting, so but and you're great. allowed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then we go to the Howard's house where Jan is trying to work out how big a potential shop site is that she's going to go and look at. This is quite a big theme in this episode. This is my favourite thing about the early part of this episode is there's quite a big metric versus imperial debate <laughs> that I love. It comes up again a bit later. It does, yeah. But it's a, it, Jan has a, a mini rant about why can't people use feet and inches. Ah, and this, and this is 87 really It's incredible. Yeah. I can only imagine that in 16 years on, the writer is still angry about decimalisation. Because <laughs> why is it going to be metres? You're just and, and, and Leo, voice of reason, always. Always. You just times it by 10. <laughs> And then you get you get your square meter these square meters. He's right, but he's still annoying. Yeah. Um, but he's buff this season. He one, he's buff, and two, in the mm. space of less than half an hour, he's opened up his own business. Um, he literally <laughs> didn't have it last episode. Oh, um, he's met the dangerous but wealthy Amanda, and she's agreed to fund mm. whatever it is he'd like to do. So he's decided to. Well, she's decided for him really that he's going to hire out surfboards and wet bikes uh, yeah. to. I don't know. And, and a surf maybe. shack. You can't have a surf shop, can you? <laughs> no, you you're can't. not allowed a surf shop. It's got to be a shack. <laughs> Has to be a bit made of driftwood and a bit wobbly with yeah, a tin roof. It's got yeah. Be, yeah. <laughs> and when we, we haven't got to um, opening the surf. Shack. We can leave yes. ahead. It's fine. But um, he's clearly never lifted a surfboard in his life. <laughs> he just he carries them so oddly, doesn't he? <laughs> like sticking his bum out like a duck. Oh, it's I like they it. might be about to explode, <laughs> and he's not quite sure where the centre of weight is. <laughs> Uh, oh, this is no. He's but, but he's looking. He's looking buff. Yeah, no. I feel like they told him this series. We're sexing you up. You're going to get your shirt mm. off. Get down the gym. 
do whatever you need to do. Get the spray tan yeah. out. Yeah, no, he's definitely, on, he's barely wearing clothes this episode. But he's talking to Jan back at home about how, because Tom is basically her ex-husband, soon to be ex, as in this episode. As um, in this scene. Well, right. He can't afford to live in the room above the pub anymore. So he's living in the paint shed at the boatyard. Um, which, you know, don't Okay, laugh. sorry, that shouldn't, that shouldn't be funny. Why is, that, why is that funny? He's destitute. And obviously oh. Jan, up until now, hasn't really remarked upon the fact that, you know, her ex-husband has fallen on hard times and she's living in a massive house that they own together. But she has expressed frustration that she can't financially help him out because he'd be too proud to take it. And yes, then they sit down at the breakfast table and... So many tables. So there are very, everyone has many tables. Wealthy people uh, have a lot well, of Well, Tom hasn't. Tom hasn't got a... You know, I mean, it might be a painting table. I think but he's got an upturned that, crate. Name. Yeah, no, I'm afraid oh. not. But she's sitting down with Kate and Leo and Kate says something to her about you still being his wife. And she opens letter and she says, I'm not yeah. his wife, mother. Not anymore. And clearly the divorce oh, papers have arrived. Boom. And it's, right there. it's a moment of melancholy as opposed to out and out drama. It's just it's it's finally it's been coming a long time. Then we go to Leisure Cruise, where Sarah is fretting about her missing husband, Mark. Oh, Sarah. Sarah's terrific. She, I've, not, I've, I've not met Sarah before. No, right. She's doing so much acting. She's doing a lot of acting. She's doing fretful, guilty, back to oh, fretful again. Borderline, guilt. borderline hysteria at points. Yeah, there's some shakiness. I mean, she's serving the writing and her writing isn't good. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm, you know, I'm very, right. I, I like her very much yes. and I obviously I love the show Yeah, but I think she's been dealt a pretty shitty hand yeah we've had some I don't know who I should I should check on the writing credits this is maybe I shouldn't because it's like naming and shaming but there hasn't been the strongest script so far this series it, it comes and goes but you know yeah Mm. Although it's, it, I, I did check and then I looked him up because oh. I enjoyed it. It's Jeremy Burnham who wrote Children of the Stones. Oh yes, he's done some episodes before. Yeah, and he wrote cats. He wrote cat eyes and bits of ah. the Gentle Touch and stuff. Oh, so he's he's so a, quite exciting. a workman-like t- yeah. TV professional. Well, I mean, who knows? They probably had to. They probably worked their writers hard on this show. I imagine they turned it over fairly quickly. And you know, still smarting from decimalisation. Obviously, still really peeved about that. I mean, yeah. maybe he is still now if he's still with us. Um, <laughs> Let's find out. Anyway, Ken and Sarah are arguing over who's guilty. Who's obviously no one's. No one comes out of this very well. They've been having an affair behind Mark's back. Mark, yep. it turns out, although they don't know for sure, they think they might have seen him spying on them from some bushes <laughs> while they made out on the deck of a boat moored just close enough to the uh, the coastline oh. that it would be visible uh, through binoculars. And um, oh, Mark God. was. Please. lurking in bushes with binoculars and he did see them but they don't know that so it's dramatic irony so well, they've seen him on the on the edge of a cliff or something there seems to be some well yes so some concern this is part of the hysteria when they were canoodling the they thought they saw someone looking at him and Sarah, but he was just too far away Ooh. but sarah thought it was mark because she was paranoid turns out she yeah. was right to be he told them he was going off to portugal to see a man about a boat and then didn't go to portugal but they don't know this. They're just like, well, they don't know that. he's just disappeared. We don't know where he's gone. He didn't make it to Portugal. Where's he gone? Um, so it's quite stressful. Very, very stressful. Meanwhile, Charles and Avril are walking down a very, very unimpressive looking A road. And the first thing she says is, very impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> this and is my favourite some... scene. <laughs> it's brilliant. They're put, and, there, and there are some workmen putting turf down. That's and Charles right. explains that this is the difference between a business park and an industrial estate. <laughs> What is it? Grass. 
Landscaping, Carrie. Okay, sorry. Landscaping. Landscaping. But look, genuinely, before this episode, I didn't know that was the difference. So I was really delighted to. Well, I do feel like I've learned something. Me too. That's important. Every every day's a school day in town. (laughs) It really is. Because I grew up around a lot of business parks, industrial estates, and I just couldn't work out why he'd picked that as his glamorous new investment. But now it's clear it's because he adores contoured, lawned areas and sort of all about the concrete raised beds. I mean, that's. You know, now I can understand the desire to invest so heavily in them. And he's very keen that Avril um, takes people out to lunch. They want to get the right kind of people. This is incredible, isn't it? Because it's a business park, not an industrial estate. And she's, you know, oh, obviously she's going to have to take people out for lunch and she might get fat. Yes, it's absolutely incredible. Have you written this down as well? No, go on, you, you. The final line of the scene is Charles says, well, when all the units are sold, I'll send you to a health farm. (laughs) It's absolutely incredible. Wow. She is concerned that her waistline will expand going off for all these dinners and lunches. And he's literally going to send her to get her whip back into shape. This is a man who she used to go out with and I believe is shortly about to, well, I mean... There's some meaningful glances yes, later on. All on the this. all the uh, ships have been pointing in this direction for some time. So anyway, yes, he, she's going to get really fat from all the businesses. <laughs> then she's going to be sent off to Champneys. <laughs> yeah, what I love about it is that he's basically saying, yes, yes, you are going to get fat. <laughs> yeah, but it'll be worth it well, when my bank... I'll pay to sort that out. Similarly massive. Yes, exactly. When you can't get your ass into this car anymore, <laughs> I'll be rich. I'll let you run behind it. Back at the yard, as they do often these days, Tom and Jack are poring over photographs of the sunken catamaran, the Lynette from last series. So um, I don't know if you were around this time, the last series, but there was... No, a... I've just written Tom Tom and Jack, broken boat. That's basically Is that in a, the a bullet nutshell? points of this. So there was a terrible disaster. The Lynette, which is the catamaran that Tom designed, sunk on one of its sort of very early voyages, unfortunately oh. with a couple called the Travers on it and Mr. Travers did not make it. Oh, um, God. Yeah, so he was dragged back up on deck after sort of falling in the drink and he was did and he Ooh. will never be alive again. So um, since then, it's been all the sorts of... That's how that works. Just dreadful. I mean, apparently that's it. Once you're dead, you're dead. Mm. That's literally that's it. That's what I've heard. So tragically, since then, Tom's reputation has been in question and he's desperately trying to prove that it wasn't his design at fault, that it was some- they must have hit an object in the hit water. Hit something. But how yeah, to there's prove lots of- it? Well, quite. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of chat about hitting something in the water and yes. um, technical terminology. There's a very high-tech lady coming oh, up. Oh, my God. High-tech is she? She works for the Department of Ship Science but we'll come to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she's got she's got a very big computer monitor that's black with green writing on it. Yeah, which means that it's like war games, it's the 80s. She's it's proper. The highest tech you can possibly have. She's just playing tic-tac-toe all day long. <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah. Meanwhile, though, Bill comes in with an official-looking letter. I brought it in because it was official-looking. <laughs> <laughs> He's my favourite. He's so great. My guest two weeks ago uh, said he's called Mr. Arid. It's not Tom Howard, it's Mr. Arid. Mr. Arid. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so it's unfortunate for a man who works in the scene. <laughs> it's terribly unfortunate. So Bill comes in with the official looking letter. And it's Tom's divorce confirmation has also arrived. It's almost like he's got the same one as Jan. Yeah, on the same day. So they both now have realised in separate places that they are no longer a couple, which of course means they immediately fancy each other, um, I'm assuming. 100%. Because they're not allowed anymore. Surely. Then we go to outside of a shop where an oily estate agent with quite bad highlights is about (laughs) to show Jan round some premises, some new premises, because she's going to open a chain of boutiques. Boutiques? 
easy for you to say. Booticues. <laughs> Booticues. Booticues for your booty. So your booty is cute. <laughs> See, I'd rather that be the name of her shop than Perry Plus, but we'll move on anyway. I mean, that sounds all sorts of things, doesn't it's it? It's rubbish. It's a cross between sort of perimenopausal and pro plus. Yeah, and plus size. It? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It's just, it's the worst possible name for any kind of shop. Oh, she's gone very, very business, though. <laughs> she has. I love that Jan's gone business. Well, it's amazing what a loan of, I think it's £150,000 from a rich local entrepreneur will do for... <laughs> do for a woman's that's, confidence in the business uh, sphere that's huge absolutely bloody massive but you know as we'll find out the man who's lent her the money is one loaded and two fancies her pants off yeah so you know those two things definitely working in her favor obviously also her incredible business acumen and uh, grasp oh, that of the too. marketplace but yeah you know, an also, enjoyment of fashion mm, but also um, <laughs> so she's she's <laughs> swanning around and talking turkey and hustling and they, she's taking no shit absolutely not at all and she's offered yeah. a rate of visit thirty thousand pounds for three years which sounds like a yeah. lot and she's I like 25 yeah, for I, a quick sale 25 Mm. I can get you the banker's draft this afternoon. <laughs> and he's like, he's dazzled. He's so dazzled. And Highlights is absolutely dazzled <laughs> by the idea of, of her being able to sort it out in the next few hours. Yeah, because we know. And he was she just going to have a long lunch. Absolutely. He's suddenly taking her seriously because she's talking about wanting to see more premises. And the fact that this place has been on the market for 18 months, she's done her research. She's not she going to be knows. taken for a yeah. fool. I just no. love the way she handles this whole thing. So we leave her very much on top and highlights floundering, but secretly <laughs> impressed and aroused. <laughs> and then we go to Leo, who has no shirt on. No shirt on and denim cut off shorts. And he's carrying a surfboard. Please describe to me how he's carrying. He's, he's, <laughs> it feels like, I mean, I'm sure he's not doing this because they're quite heavy things, but it feels like it's a forefinger and thumb from each hand with little finger sticking out <laughs> it's so oddly dainty but, isn't it yeah it's very strange i thought you just shoved it under your arm and kind of strode off towards the shoreline that's how people on neighbors used to do it and home and yeah, away but yeah yeah it feels like it's sort of it's, it's going to be put on a platter <laughs> for someone it's so bizarre. Very carefully. And then Amanda shout service. <laughs> and then Amanda arrives in her open top sports car, listening to "Love Is the listening Drug" to Roxy music, but not for too long because they don't have the rights. <laughs> she turns the engine off quite quickly. There's something perfect about it being Roxy music, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, and she's brought she's brought Leo a much smaller surfboard so he can carry it more easily, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a little tiny one about the size of I don't know a Moses basket. Oh, um, thank God! But it turns God, out I it's a sign that she's made for him for his business. Leo surf Howard Shack. Surf Shack. I love that, that she's put the surname on. Leo Howard Surf Shack, not another yeah. Leo's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, it may be a shack, but you will call me by my full name. <laughs> Show some respect in the surf shack. <laughs> Quite a formal surf shack. <laughs> Very formal. And there's this really odd bit where she's arrived. She hasn't shown him the sign yet. And they sort of just don't talk for a bit. They don't there's say lot, yeah. anything to each other. I feel like I didn't hear her voice in that scene. <laughs> I don't I feel know like if it was did. Like the neck. I think possibly. I think she just but, simpered at him and sort of smirked a yeah, bit and, you know, flicked her hair about. There was some about. interpretive dance. <laughs> 
about surf shacks. I've just written down oddly bloodless courtship. So she spends the whole time trying to sort of get him into bed. And he spends the whole time looking a little bit like he does understand, but he doesn't really know how to engage with what's happening. Like, I think she fancies me. I've got my shirt off. I don't know what to do next. He's like, he's waiting for someone to tell him in his ear, like, now touch her boob. Now kiss her. (laughs) It's like he just, he's completely static in all of those scenes. It's really odd. It gets sexier later on. It does get sexier. When they fall off their water bikes. Oh, and then it's very splashy. Get yourself some gas and air and breathe deeply. We're talking on the phone while he had his arm inside my vagina. In my head, I was saying, could you go and see if the anaesthetist is free? And what I was actually saying out loud was, help me. CD player doesn't work. I was like, I'm saying, why my fucking CD player? Where's my playlist? That's One Torn Every Minute with me, Beth Murray. Available now from Great Big Owl. Help me. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's a lot of splashing and thrashing. Lots of splashing, a lot of kissing. Yeah. There's something brilliant about the fact they've both got life jackets on. So it's all right. It's safe. <laughs> it's completely safe. Safe sex. And also the life jackets are quite, they're quite bulky. They find it quite hard to get near enough to each other they to actually manage kiss. it. Yeah. To, one, uh, it's, to the point where Amanda then has to sort of lie down on the sea <laughs> and he comes in from the side in order to get so they don't bump <laughs> life jackets. It is a comical scene to be sure. It's tremendous. But anyway, so we leave them at the, having this oddly bloodless courtship and we go to Charles Frere's house come office like he seems to do everything in this one location unless he's on his sex yacht slash fuck boat and then you know that's for special <laughs> occasions Gerald has brought this is really sweet a very sweet detail that's not mentioned but Gerald keeps toing and throwing to Zurich to do business for Charles and mm. this time he's brought back some duty free from the airport in a, in a, in a Zurich carrier bag and he's ta- it looks like a nice bottle of brandy or something and he takes it out and puts it on the desk and Charles doesn't even notice because he's so oh. self-involved and Gerald it's like a, what a thoughtful thing for Gerald to do and then he yeah. doesn't even mention it oh Gerald so what I've written down for this scene and I can't remember why or what it's for Mm. is back to Charles and Gerald ooh (laughs) that's it and I only watched this a couple of hours ago and I've absolutely no idea but somehow the business stuff does a way of it has a way of washing over you sometimes but um, so I've written down a few brief notes they'll only take an hour or two I took the exact minutes of the whole meeting Um, if you want (laughs) so the, the main headline from this is Sir John Stevens Charles's banker for 
years and years now, is also a very close associate of his father. Charles and his father are now mortal enemies and Sir John can't flip between the two of them. So he's finally, after pressure from Sir Edward, told Charles that he can no longer act for him financially because it is a conflict of interest. So Sir John has basically ditched Charles. He can do his banking elsewhere from now on. Meanwhile, consortium, Lavinia International, the Gomez Trust, 8% Mashvitz, a big jug of orange juice. That's what I've written down for that. Um, basically, <laughs> yeah, there was I, got, some I did pick up stuff. 8%. Yeah, there's a consortium. It's stuff happening, money, finances. They think basically Sir Edward, his father, now his bitterest enemy, is trying to muscle in on a deal that he's doing for said business park. Just going to check you listening, Carrie. What's the difference between mm-hmm. a business park and an industrial estate? Landscape. Correct. Hey. <laughs> you could have 10 points. Um, yeah, so his dad's trying to muscle in. And Charles says, if my father wants a war, he's got one. There's a lot of I mean. butch business punctuating a, a, a scene with business butchness. It's like every now and then they sort of remember they're supposed to be dynasty. Yes, and shoulder pads suddenly grow in their jackets where where before there were none. It's very odd. Gerald storms out. So clearly that's not very Gerald. He's normally a cool head in a crisis. So something's on his That's probably what I meant by ooh. Ah, he stormed out. That's why you ooed. Then we go to the yard where Tom is examining very closely some 3D graphics of his catamaran design mm. on the black screen with the green. It it's looks like, um, you know, one of those sort of crisscrossy, I don't know the technical term, drawings. looks a bit like the crystal dome in the crystal maze, you know, when it's, it does, yeah. it's like that. It looks like that. It's that. Yeah. He's, it looks just like that. He's trying to yeah. see why the crystal dome sank, basically. And then Jack is, has some good news. He's got a check from Mrs. Jenny Seagrove, Seagram, Ingram, David Siemens. I can't, I can never remember her name. Mrs. David Seagram. <laughs> <laughs> the cheque has arrived, which means she's paid the balance on her boat, the nice wooden one that we saw him sailing in the opening scene. Yes. So they finally well, got... Where's the paying in book? I don't know. Oh, it's I don't all right. Know. Is it... It's on Tom's Oh, desk. thank God, because I thought that was going to be yeah. like a whole big thing. Where's the paying well, in yeah. book? Well, yeah, but no, it's all right. It's there. there it is. Oh, <laughs> checks feel... and paying in books. I feel like the setup and then the resolution where they were just a bit too close together there. I think. Yeah, I, think... I feel like it was a, a, quite a weak B-plot. It could have been in like a draw. <laughs> it could have been <laughs> like an extra 10 seconds to find it. Yeah, quite. <laughs> Then, so anyway, the, the book is found, all is well. Then we go to see where, this is the sexy wet bike scene. This is... this is Oh, so, yes, sexy wet. Uh, oh, what I wrote down there for Tom and Jack's last scene oh, yeah. was, Go on. that is crunch time. Um, <laughs> what, because the paying in book? I, yeah, probably. <laughs> probably nothing to do with the boat. This is when they decide to go to the department for... That's it. They're going to get some technical... The sciences. Yeah, some help yeah. to back them up because they need expert proof that Tom is the best designer in, well, Tarrant at least. Yeah. At least. At least. So they have to go to the department of the sea anyway never mind that now we're on sexy wet bike sorry sexy wet bike time leo has got a throbbing engine betwixt his thighs and he's on a wet bike hey <laughs> oh dear no it's quite a long mucky about a wet bikes montage yeah but they had hired wet bikes carrie so there is that but it is if anything a bit too long yeah anything where they've got a speedboat wet bikes a helicopter a private jet like they have to milk it because them's cost money sense <laughs> yeah fair enough and then amanda playfully falls off her wet bike yeah and leo follows her and playfully falls off his wet bike <laughs> it's so funny and that's when the huge awkwardness 
of the life jackets, life jacket sexy time. In fact, yes. no, one, don't they? At one point, it was this after they get on one on his wet bike together so that she can hold on to him while they're on the one oh. wet bike. And then they fall off that one. Oh, and then it's like yeah. they keep and then because of the water and the huge life preserving vest, they keep bumping off each other when they're they're <laughs> trying to get their faces together. It's very yeah. hard to act in a life jacket in choppy Incredibly seas. hard to act. But they manage it. It doesn't look like they're in a tank. They're in the sea. They I really think. are. So yeah. I'm doubly impressed. But um, they're not. I, I'm starting to think though if they're going to fall off wet bikes that much maybe the surf shack isn't the business for them <laughs> i think you might be right i don't think there's enough if they can't stay on a wet bike Mm-mm. no no no, no. anyway they snog hurrah Hooray! and i never really understand whether he wants to or if he's just given in no t- t- forgive me what's happened to abby Ah, now Abby's gone to America where her child is being taken care of by Orin, the millionaire billionaire's son and his millionaire billionaire family. Um, I think she's decided her place is with her child. So she sort of decided to break away from her family and go and be a mum in America. But it's not really clear in what, like if she's going there for the kid or I don't think there's a romance, but yeah, she's gone away, away anyway. She's she's left Howard's way for now. That's all I have to tell you. She will be back though, don't despair. Oh, good oh. Boy, will she, and then some. Yeah, so, yeah, Amanda and Leo, odd couple. Very odd, yeah. There's something something strange going on there. We will find out. We will. Oh, my God, it it gets so much. Well, there's so much more. Oh, it's complicated, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Then we go back to Leisure Cruise, where Ken is polishing his trophy. Not a euphemism. Hey. Because he won a (laughs) boat race. He won a speedboat race. Critically, it was against Mark, who he's in partnership with and also who he's cuckolding currently. Right. Um, So obviously that was another way of emasculating him as well as sleeping with his wife. Oh, God. So the trophy symbolises much. Yes, the race series is ongoing. So whoever won the race for their firm, for Leisure Cruise, out of him and Mark, gets to do all the races for the rest of the series. Um, So, you know, it was a real it was a real sort of uh, alphaing moment where Ken bestrid Mark and sort of laughed in his face, basically. Um, so poor old Mark has been just slowly emasculated and humiliated just repeatedly Um, and this affair has been going on and he's had his suspicions but he hasn't said anything God knows why Anyway, Ken is polishing his trophy and then Bob Scottish arrives. Oh, he's so Scottish. He's He's also tiny. He is quite little, isn't he? Either Ken is enormous Uh, and none of us have ever noticed. Ken is quite tall, I believe. Or Bob is tiny. No, I I I can't give you an exact type, but I believe Jan mentioned he's quite rangy. Oh, okay. Mm, Yeah, he's quite tall, lad. I've never noticed it before. Mm, Maybe everyone else has just been very tall too. Or Yeah, or maybe he's been far away. So Bob Scottish uh, comes in. He inquires after Mark's dishy wife who isn't there it's just Ken there on his own and then there's some complicated business but about Ken's, Ken's very, he Ken's very um, sort of chivalrous he doesn't say yeah I've been nailing that <laughs> no um, Bob Scottish uh, outright asks him if he has done it yes oh here comes a bong Oh, your clock. That's my clock. That's so um, lovely. And and Ken says, no, he hasn't. But, you know, that would be very nice. So he doesn't actually... He's just lying to kind of cover his own back, basically. He wouldn't ever I like give... to think he's a bit chivalrous. Do you think? I think he's just not giving not out any information that he doesn't need to give out. That's his yeah, business that's and not Bob Scottish's, quite frankly. Um, who, who exactly is Bob Scottish? He's Can called Bob McIntyre and he is a client hmm. of Leisure Cruise. They're basically distributing or selling his boats for him. He was going to distribute okay. and or sell his boats through Rolton 
Hudson Marine, but then Leisure Cruise <gasps> convinced him otherwise that they were the best bet. So, And Charles Frere is a chairman of Relton Marine. So it's like a double way for Ken to annoy Charles. He doesn't like him very much. Um, okay. And then yeah. he won the race and Charles Frere had to hand over a cheque for 10 grand to Ken because he won the race. Ooh. So that didn't go down very well either. That's got to hurt. Mm-hmm. And Ken yeah. loved it, as you can imagine. So anyway, there's some weird jiggery-pokery about a sponsorship deal, which means that Bob something something sponsorship, blah, Ken, £50,000. Ken loses some sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah. Because the sponsorship for the hang and... But if Ken wins the the whole series with their boat, then he gets 50 grand from Charles Freer. So it's sort of like a quadruple or nothing bet. So suddenly the stakes are very high and Ken really wants to screw Charles. So And Ken's a gambler. So he's a risk taker, isn't he? And a maverick. He's a maverick. Hey! <laughs> maverick Jinx. <laughs> Next, horses carry horses. Horses. This is a prefiguring of what Gerard Glaser would go on to do, which is run the series Trainer that immediately followed Howard's Way after it ended on a Sunday night. Oh. Never quite as popular, though. Not talked about with the love no. and affection that Howard's Way I, is. I don't think I ever really watched it. I think I might have given it a try, but horses just weren't the same as boats. They just weren't. No, they don't love you the same way. They don't float. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I've that tried. Was, yeah, yeah. And that, well, that's why Trainer was such a tragic, <laughs> tragic disaster. Anyway, um, <laughs> Sir Edward and Sir John are watching, I think, I guess they're thoroughbreds going through their training and they're doing it through inoculars. There's a lot of inoculars this series. Important, important to have your inoculars. I wonder ready. if they had like a secret sponsorship deal with inocular manufacturer. I'm not sure. Maybe, or, may, or, or maybe they're expensive too. They had to, they, they had to have them in, in as many scenes as possible. Perhaps they just borrowed them. But Ed- Edward, of course, I like to think of as posh Jack Rolfe. Yes, he kind of is, isn't he? If they're not in vision when you first hear them speak, it takes a minute. It does, because they're so gruff. They've got the same sort of gruff thing going on, but one of them's slightly posher. (laughs) Exactly. One of them deliberately dumbs down his accent uh, because he's in a boatyard with the lads and the other one is just unashamedly very, Mm. very posh. Uh, So Edward is still talking about the fact that he thinks Charles, his now estranged son who hates him and is in direct competition with him in business, will finally see the light of day and accept his offer to come and work for his dad's firm. Like That is not going to happen. That's not going to happen. He does not know his son very well. No. And I like that they, just in case you missed it the first time, which which we did, the um, details of it, um, made clear that the other dude's the banker yeah. who has now defected or at least you know, isn't you working for Charles sure. anymore. He's yeah. chosen it. And you think, oh, good. I'm that glad that's clarified because I sort of <clears throat> nearly got it, but I don't think I got it. No. Now, now I've got it. No one left behind. That is the motto of this series. <laughs> so I, I also enjoyed the fact that they had the walking stick chairs, the ones you open up the top of your walking stick and there's like They're a little great, With a little seat. spike on the other end. Yeah. And they, so they sat on those for a bit and then they both followed Shooting sticks. Up. Exactly. That's what they're called. I knew they had a posh name. I knew you'd know. Yeah. What with you being oh. so aristocratic. Well, right. <laughs> and then then the name Werner Grunwald is mentioned. Now, if oh, you've been yeah. following this series up till now, you'll know that that's significant because Charles has also been investigating a man called Werner Grunwald, who I've been calling Werner Herzog. Other guests have called him all kinds of other names, but he is called actually Werner Grunwald. He's something to do with Swiss business consortium, business park, landscaping. He's something, he's not a landscaper per se, yeah. but he's something to do with <laughs> how, how all this money is coming into the business park project. He's some and kind he's of cipher main- for the money. Main wizard baddie before Voldemort. Yes, he is. So yes. But what, what's nice yeah. though is even if you hadn't picked up earlier in the series that this is a significant name, yep. they make it a significant name. Because I wrote down who is 
Werner Grunwald. Aha. I don't even know if we it's actually... just the way they said it. Yeah. Did we meet him? Have we met... I can't remember. We've met him. We've met a Swiss man, but I don't want to say it was the same one, just in case it wasn't. I can't remember. Anyway, so on to Leisure Cruise, which is where kind of all the action is this episode. It's just non-stop revolving door drama slash tragedy. Oh, it's, it pings around all over the place. It's great. It really does. The scenes are very short and very sort of satisfyingly so. Like we gallop through, unless there's yeah. a wet bike or something they've hired in, then obviously it well, takes that, a yeah, bit longer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> check your watch but back at Leisure but, Cruise yes Sarah oh, is still Sarah and Ken she's, Sarah's still not um, happy she's in absolute she's, bits in fact she's in tears is this the bit where she's rung the police at this oh point? actually no that's later or is that I, next I, that's I've later hop, I've hopped ahead you're quite right um, no, still... no, no, no. She is all stressed and everything, but I can't remember whether it was now she rang the police or later that she rang the police. I think it might be but later. She's... No, it's later. Spoilers. So she's, she's... going to ring the police, everyone. She is. Sorry, that's a huge reveal. Uh, there's still no sign of Mark. They're trying to understand. Again, this is the bit I didn't really understand. Something to do with the sponsorship. They're trying mm. to work out how Charles Frere knew about McIntyre's sponsorship deal with them. And so they said think he'd that never Mark talk. might be sabotaging his own business. Exactly. And it's like, why would he do that? That's like he's yeah. burning all of his bridges. Why would he do that, Karen? Why would he do that? I wouldn't like mm. to speculate at this juncture. <laughs> well, he was st- he's seemingly standing on the edge of a cliff. Oh, my God. Was that symbolic? And he's disappeared. Oh, Hello. Okay. Mm. That's, I don't like the way this is going. Okay. No. Then back at the Howards, a young woman you might not recognise called Anna Lee is there. And she's come to see Kate. So I don't I don't even remember her meeting Kate. So Anna Lee is the new fashion designer that's replaced Claude, the right. dead fashion designer. He was killed by a speedboat at the end of last series, tragically, I'm sorry oh to inform God. you. Yes, he was run down by a speedboat and he's definitely dead. So Anna wow. Lee, basically then it left Jan without a fashion designer. So she had to get one pretty quickly. So she went to a fashion college where she found Anna Lee, a very talented young designer with an oppressive Chinese father played by Bert Kwok. Oh, splendid. <laughs> I was talking only the other day about that lovely, the great Greatest moment ever on Pointless. Oh, go on. Have you not? Have you seen the? Oh, just search um, Pointless Bert Quark. Okay. Everyone, there's a six pictures of ice skaters. Yeah. And you have to guess who the ice skater is. Okay. And a little old lady sees a picture of John Curry and says, "Um, I think." That's Bert Quark. <laughs> wow. The Canadian ice skater, John Curry. Utterly magnificent. It's it's one of the greatest things you'll ever see. <laughs> Is everyone just, just crying, they have to then go through, But they also have to go through. Well, let's let's see if... if um, let's see if... <laughs> Bert Quok is <laughs> is right, and and if it if it is right, it's not right. oh my god, they actually have to it's, do the pantomime of like we, yeah. we can't say no outright yet because there's, there's a it's way of doing things. Tremendous! <laughs> oh, I will look that up. I'm excited. It's tremendous. So anyway, I mean, sadly to drag you back to yeah. sadder times. Oh, no, 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 actually, is, well, I mean, she's sad because she appears to be not only in receipt of a, an oppressive father who was trying to stop her doing the job she wanted after fashion college. He wanted her to come and work for him, basically, and Jan right. had to talk him around. And now it appears he. He's arranging a marriage for her. A marriage which might scupper all her plans of fashion designing and all of that. Exactly, because then if her husband, the potential husband, who she says she doesn't love and is not even really that keen on, if he says she can't work for Jan's fashion label, that's it. Uh, he gets to tell yeah, her what to done. do. This is the 80s, Anna. Like, dude. Yeah, come on. This is outrageous. They're both wearing, Kate and Anna are both wearing blue clothes. Blue clothes are very, they're quite popular this series. There's an awful lot oh, of blue. Oh, it's blue big in 87. I don't know, it must have been. I mean, obviously it fits with an autumn theme, but it just feels like there's more blue than any other colour in this right. episode. For the women, certainly. There's um, also, what is extraordinary, for scenes in which Anna appears, hmm. Simon May has put in a little bit of a Chinese now, I didn't... theme. <laughs> yes. 
to, mm. to the incidental music. Yes, he does. And it's just a suggestion of the Orient. Yeah. But it, nowadays yes, but we, it might, there. we might think it's inappropriate. <laughs> but back yeah, then, I think, think it was just... think twice. And then thrice, perhaps, and then yeah, not put and it And then in. stop. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. back then, I imagine a fairly normal trope is to, yeah, suggest you're yeah. dealing with a different subject. Some cultural matter. sensitivity. That, that was 80s cultural sensitivity. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely different I now. imagine. And that's where we'll have to leave my chat with a brilliant Carrie Quinlan. But please do come back tomorrow for part two. See you then. those Twitter notifications? Forgot to watch anything but Netflix? Dreading the video conference small talk at nine? You need a news vitamin, you know. You need the Smart 7. It's a brand new daily podcast that puts your brain into gear. Everything you need to know in less than seven minutes. You need the Smarts? Hey, we got the Smarts. The Smart 7, every weekday at 7am, available right now on Spotify and all the usual places.